Sorry, got a little shorter than Jake. Fix this. Okay. Thank you all for the opportunity to preach the book of Ruth. It is a small book. It takes altogether maybe 10 minutes to read if you are a, a quick reader, and maybe 12 minutes if you're a slow reader. So it is small. I encourage you guys after this evening, if you haven't recently, read the whole thing. Maybe spend an hour, read it a couple of times. I spent a lot of time as I prepared for this sermon thinking about this first sentence. And I hope if you take nothing else away, you will remember the parts of this first sentence. And that's this. Ruth is a story of God's providential care for his people, through his people, to display his glory and character, and to carry out his ultimate plan for redemption of those people. So I hope tonight uh, I'm going to give us a summary of this book. Because Ruth is a narrative, it's, it's really hard to, to preach it if we don't know what happens all through. But conveniently, uh, it's only four chapters. It's really driven by dialogue. You see a lot of conversation in the book of Ruth. It's told in four acts, and it's conveniently broken up into four chapters in our English Bibles. Um, and like I said, it only takes just a couple of minutes. So here, I'll, I'm going to give us a summary of the book of Ruth. And then after that, I'll, we will look through that sentence I just gave us here. I'll break it up into at least three parts. So here, this is our summary. In chapter one, we find the setup of the story and the women's return to Bethlehem. So in the days of Judges, while a famine was over the land, we're told that there is a man from Bethlehem by the name of Elimaic. He and his wife, Naomi, have two sons who each took wives, uh, Orpah and Ruth, from the land of Moab. That's really important. They're from Moab. During their time in Moab, Elimaic and his sons all die, leaving Naomi and Ruth alone with no one to provide or care for them. Naomi decides then to return to her homeland because she has heard that the Lord has visited his people and has given them food. So as she leaves for Bethlehem, uh, that's Naomi, she acts graciously and she tells her daughters-in-law that they should leave, go find husbands for themselves. She speaks a blessing over them and pleads with them to return to their own land, to their own people. One daughter-in-law Orpah eventually kisses her mother-in-law and departs, but Ruth clings to Naomi and will not depart from her. So that's act one. We have the setup of the story here. In chapter two, act two, Ruth will meet Boaz. So the very first verse of this chapter introduces Boaz as a relative of Naomi's husband and as a worthy man. As Ruth and Naomi's you may remember from some of our past sermons that this gleaning is instructed in the law of God. It is a, an action that God commands his people to do to provide for the least of these, provide for the poor, the needy, who have nothing that they can go and glean. So Ruth does this. Verse 3 of chapter 2 tells us that Ruth happened to come to the field belonging to Boaz. Boaz meets Ruth and instructs her to remain in his field. He instructs the men working in his field not to harm her. He's offering protection there. And for her to drink of the water that his men have already drawn. 
Ruth, Ruth falls on her face in gratitude to Boaz, recognizing the great favor that Boaz has given her. Even, uh, excuse me, uh, even as a foreigner, Boaz replies that it is because he knows of Ruth's commitment to Naomi, knowing that Naomi is connected to his kinsman, Elimaic, and that she has left her own land to remain with Naomi. Boaz makes mention, though, that it is the Lord's favor she has found, saying in verse 12 of chapter 2, the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward will be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So in the second half of this chapter here, Boaz gives Ruth even more food at a mealtime, and he further instructs his men to allow Ruth to glean from the fields, even intentionally dropping bundles of grain that they've already gathered so that she might gather that up. The chapter ends with Ruth's return to Naomi, and Naomi is shocked to find how much food that Ruth returns with. As Ruth tells Naomi about Boaz, Naomi rightly responds by praising the Lord for his care. She says in verse, uh, she, she says there at the end, I didn't write the verse number down. May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living nor the dead. She also adds that the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. So this leads us to chapter three. And in chapter three, Naomi tells Ruth of her plan for Boaz to redeem them. This is maybe building some measure of conflicts. We, we see this plan unfold, and we don't know what will happen until we read through the end of the chapter. So in chapter three, Naomi instructs Ruth to, awake, to await Boaz at the threshing floor. Ruth is to wait for the day to be over, and as Boaz is sleeping, she's to go and lie at his feet. This laying at his feet is symbolic uh, of her complete dependence and need on him. So Boaz is awoken and naturally shocked around midnight, it tells us, to find Ruth laying there. And when Boaz asks who she is, Ruth identifies herself and immediately makes a plea to Boaz that he might be her redeemer. She wisely even calls back to the very words that Boaz spoke to her in chapter 2, saying, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. I didn't mention this in chapter 2, but this is the exact thing that Boaz says earlier. Oh, I did mention it in verse 12. And so she, she calls back to his words, saying, in this response, she is identifying that the Lord's favor and the Lord's refuge might be delivered through Boaz himself. She's attributing the Lord's work to something that Boaz himself can do. Then we lead, come to verse four. Oh no, uh, we end verse three with this. Boaz agrees to this and under the condition that, under one condition, another man, there's another person who is also a qualified redeemer. In fact, he was a closer relative to Naomi and to Ruth. And so the condition is this, if that man, this closer relative will, will not redeem her, then he will. This is not out of reluctance. This is not out of uh, trying to get out of it, but rather this is, 
Boaz working as a worthy man, as it is, as uh, the scriptures tell us he is. He is worthy and thus trying to act in such a way that honors the law of God. Finally, Boaz sends Ruth back to Naomi with even more food. And before, uh, and early in the morning, early even before the sun arises, that she might not be noticed or recognized. Again, trying to maintain both his and her worthiness you could say. Uh, it, it removes the opportunity for gossip about himself or her in the community. Finally, chapter four is the height and conclusion of the book. Boaz redeems and marries Ruth here. So Boaz confirms with this near relative that we spoke of, and while the relative initially seems to desire to redeem her, he ultimately cannot. So Boaz then himself purchases the land that once belonged to Elimaic and his sons, and then he marries Ruth. And the Lord blesses them with the son, Obed. Obed. At Obed's birth, Naomi declares, blessed, uh, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. This is a really big reversal of something she said in chapter one, where she stated that the Lord had brought her great bitterness. She, in fact, said, call me Mara, which means bitterness. Here she reverses that statement, recognizing that the Lord in his providence has planned carefully and never abandoned her. The book ends kind of strangely. We've had this entire book of almost entirely dialogue. Some of the most common phrase in the entire book of Ruth is, and so-and-so said, and so-and-so said, and then so-and-so replied. And so the book ends oddly. It ends with a genealogy. And this genealogy is intended to show, again, God's providence to bring about a king of his people. The final verse of the book ends with this. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathers David. So that is a summary of our book, and it's important that we recognize the story here as we remember some of these themes. So I'm going to remind you of my very first sentence that I tried to work really, really hard on, and it's this. So Ruth is a story of God's providential care for his people, through his people, to display his glory and character, and to carry out his ultimate plan for redemption of his people. All right, so let's break this down a little bit here in the first section. The first one here is God's care for his people through his people. I'm gonna be, we're gonna be flipping through Ruth here a little bit. I'm gonna highlight at least three areas for each of these, um, these points. But to give you a summary of this before we do, it's God's care for his people often comes through other people of God. In fact, it's, it's often the primary way. When God's people display loving kindness to each other, they are actively working out the loving kindness of God. He works, that is God works in the life of ordinary people, people like you and people like me to provide for his other people. So here's some examples in Ruth. If you have a flip to uh, the, the first chapter, verse six, it says this. And then she, that's Naomi, arose with her daughters-in-law 
to return to the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people to give them food. Notice here, she didn't just come up with this on her own. She had heard, obviously through others, that the Lord has come. God's care for Naomi and Ruth here comes from other people, right? There is, God is working through the life of ordinary individuals to lead Naomi and to lead Ruth back to Judah, back to Bethlehem, where there is food that they might eat. Uh, all of chapter 2, it's hard to pick just a verse in chapter 2, but let me remind you of some things that happen here. In chapter 2, it starts with Ruth, uh, at one point it says Ruth happened to come to a field, and she happens to come to a field of Boaz, right? This, this happened idea, again, is communicating God's providence. She, she, she was led there. She happened to come to this place. This is the sentence I wrote here. The God's providential care for Ruth is displayed as he leads Ruth and Naomi to a worthy man who would treat Ruth well. As Ruth remains there, so one, we have Boaz who acts worthily, right? It is through him that God cares for Ruth specifically. And it is the Lord himself doing it. I uh, made point to say this, that in verse 12, even Boaz himself communicates this, right? Verse 12 says, the Lord repay you for what you have done. And a foreword will be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. It's not under Boaz's wings. He doesn't attribute this to himself. It is through God, and yet it is happening. It is by God, and yet it is happening through an ordinary man, Boaz. Not only that, you also see in verse 12 that his care, his providential care is also happening through the people who are picking grain. Even here in chapter 2, you see that they are actively picking grain and leaving stuff behind so that Ruth might glean it herself. God is caring for Ruth and Naomi through the lives of ordinary people. All right, now in chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, they say this. And the Lord called to Samuel. Oh, I flipped to Samuel. That's funny. Chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Again, as I stated this earlier, Ruth recognizes that the Lord's redemption for her might be brought about by Boaz himself. She recognizes that coming under Boaz's wing of protection is the means by which the Lord will sustain her and protect her. God's care for his people is often through his people. I'm going to read also, this, is, this continues not only in the Old Testament, not only in Ruth, but in the New Testament. Let me read you. This is Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 13. It says this, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, 
just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why, quote, he ascended on high, he took many captives, and he gave gifts to his people. Why does he ascended mean, except that he also descended into the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So this is Ephesians 4, 11. Listen to this. So Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Ephesians also tells us that it is through ordinary individuals, Christ gifts, and he gives and he equips people differently so that we might care for his people. It is God's care for his people comes also through his people. All right, so my next point here, my next part of my sentence is this. This story is to display God's character and glory. The story is also written so we could see God's glory and character because both of these words and actions are demonstrated in nearly every single character of this story. So I have some clear examples, but before I go in, if you go and read Ruth tonight, and I pray you do, think and pay attention. How do these people speak to and act towards one another? Consider that as you read it. They all act justly and well and in a God-honoring way. And we are to see God's character himself through that. So here, if you will turn to Ruth 2, 12 and 13. It says this, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward will be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then I said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. We see that God here in these verses, we see God as a saving God. He rescues and he provides refuge for those who seek him. He comforts and deals kindly with all who turn to him. This is true for all people. Ruth was a Moabite. She was not from Israel. And yet God rescues her. In 2 verse 20, it says this. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living nor the dead. Naomi also said to her, This man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Here we see that, again, God does not forsake his people. And while he may work in ways that we do not understand, he is always working kindly for his people. In chapter three, we see Naomi deals kindly with Ruth, seeking rest and redemption for her. It says that there in verse one, and she even puts Ruth's interest above her own. She seeks to find Ruth, a redeemer, a husband. In chapter four, verse 14, again, we will see that God 
does not forsake his people. And we learn this about God's character. It says, then the women said to Naomi, this is after that Ruth gives birth to a son. And the women say to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. See, God provides redemption, a redeemer to those who turn to him. And why? It's so that his name, God's name, will be renowned. God displays his loving kindness towards us so that we might turn to him and be redeemed by him and to the end that we will glorify him. I mean, remember Psalm 100. Our church has been uh, reading it and memorizing and reciting it. God's loving kindness in Psalm 100, his, his loving kindness is to make us his people. That leads us to praise and worship in the glory of his name. I'll read Psalm 100 here. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. God's loving kindness towards us, God's goodness towards us when he displays his character and we experience his character, we turn to glory, we turn to praise and worship of him. So my final point from the book of Ruth is this. The book of Ruth teaches us of God's plan for redemption of his people. You could argue that this reason, above all the other ones, is why the book of Ruth was written. So that, that way people reading this book might look back and see God's providential plan to bring out redemption of his people through a king. Remember, this was written in the time of Judges, and Judges ends and says that there were, and there was no king of the land, and people did whatever they wanted, whatever they pleased. And here, the book of Ruth ends with a genealogy about King David. God's plan for redemption is worked through mankind. And Ruth, we're pointed to Boaz as a redeemer, right? Boaz is constantly referred to a relative as Elamaic, or he's simply referred to as one of our redeemers. And Boaz ultimately does fulfill that role. But it ends with a genealogy on purpose. The genealogy gives us a glimpse of how Israel, while declining during the period of the judges, could somehow, miraculously, it seems, come out on the other side with a man as described as being after God's own heart, David. Just think about that. We, we read about the judges and how Israel's getting further and further and further away. And then, you know, if you didn't have Ruth, we would jump over uh, to Samuel, Samuel and eventually we would learn about David who does love the Lord. How on earth could we get there? Well, the book of Ruth gives us a, a bridge while Israel as a whole is going further and further away from God. There are ordinary families like ours, like yours, who love God, who stayed committed to him. And through them, God brought about King David. Again, God is working in the life. His plan for redemption is working through the life of common man. However, 
Boaz and David are only shadows of this redemption. Yes, they, they serve their purpose, but it would not ultimately redeem all of, of man. So that leads to my final point, and that's this. Everything that we've talked about so far, God's glory, his character, his care, and his plan for redemption all comes through one man, Christ Jesus. The story of, of Ruth reminds us of all of these things, but it is only through Christ Jesus that these things are made complete. So here, I'll break down this sentence. God's glory is ultimately displayed in Jesus. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter one. You can see this clearly. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 says this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much superior to the angels, as the name as he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus himself, the person, the God-man Jesus, God's glory is fully and ultimately displayed in him. And so is God's character and care. You don't have to turn there, but listen to Colossians 1, 19 and 20. God's character and, and care are displayed in Jesus. It says, this passage says this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We see God's character here. God's character, the fullness of God, that is, is within Jesus. And that also means the fact that Jesus is fully God. But also, we see his care displayed through these verses, that his care for the world, for those who would turn to him, he makes peace by his blood on the cross. And that leads us next to this. God's redemption is only through Jesus. God's redemption is only through him. Romans 3, 21 through 26 say this, say this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation uh, by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier, the one who has faith in Jesus. It is only through Jesus that we have this redemption this propitiation, this sacrifice, this atoning sacrifice by 
his blood. Christ Jesus alone, his blood made the purchase for our lives, for our sin. And so let me end with this. These are, you could take this as application or encouragement or or warning, however you might take it. If you are not part of the people of God, if you have not turned to God and away from your sin, then do it tonight. Turn to Jesus. He is the one true redeemer. Come find refuge in the shadow of his wings. He will provide your every need and he will give you life. God's people are those who turn to him. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or what you've done. All who turn to Jesus will be redeemed and only those who turn to Jesus will be redeemed. And for those of you who maybe already have turned to Jesus and who are part of God's people, just like Boaz and Naomi and Ruth, God is working out his loving kindness in your life. God is working his loving kindness in other people's lives through you. So look for those opportunities. Serve others, love them, build them up, and ultimately tell them of our Redeemer, Jesus.